Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Good morning. Today is the day the Lord has made. We are rejoicing. We are glad in it. It is Tuesday, September the 24th, 2019. Uh, Climate, climate change, concerns about climate, climate hysteria, whatever language you uh, choose to use. Major concern, theme of the opening session yesterday of the meeting of the United Nations. Also, the issue du jour at a protest in Washington, D.C. yesterday designed to hashtag shut down D.C., interesting approach um, with signs like climate first and rest in peace mother nature a few thousand people sought to quote or hashtag shut down dc yesterday in what they called a climate rebellion uh interesting approach um they borrowed from protest movements uh, around the world um interesting that they say they have tried everything else here's a quote by one of the climate rebellion enthusiasts in Washington, D.C. yesterday. They say they've tried everything else. They've tried voting. They've tried the phone calls. They've tried the meetings. They've tried meeting with members of Congress. uh, And they've not gotten what they have demanded fast enough. And so they've taken to the streets, specifically K Street and 16th in Washington, D.C., which if you've never been to D.C., first of all, you should go. Second of all, if you're not familiar with D.C. um, and, and the language of K Street is unfamiliar to you, K Street is a major thoroughfare in the heart of D.C. It's also known as home to many lobbyists and advocacy groups. And so interesting choice in terms of seeking to disrupt people's ability to get to work yesterday morning during rush hour traffic. Um, in, in one intersection, these uh, climate rebellion enthusiasts uh, parked a giant pink yacht that then the police had to um, obviously get a big tow truck and burn lots of carbon in order to get the big yacht uh, through the snarl of people and snarl of traffic. Um, Obviously, if you disrupt rush rush hour traffic and people leave their engines running, you're actually contributing to the very thing that you as a climate enthusiast are supposedly out there protesting against. It's an interesting approach. The 74th General Session of the United Nations meeting, now going on in New York, uh, took teen, teen, teenage climate activists very seriously, giving them voice and platform. One media report from Vice News says this, 16-year-old Swedish climate change icon, interesting, she's already called an icon, Greta Thunberg, uh, who inspired a global school strike movement, which let's just remember for a moment, we've got girls around the world who don't have access to schooling. So again, this is all a first world approach. Every part of this conversation, it's important to recognize, can only happen because of the unbelievable freedom that uh, people in the West enjoy and and the kind of advantages that we are able to provide um, to the next generation. And so we're talking about teen climate enthusiasts who are not in school, they're skipping school, uh, in order that they can be platformed at the United Nations. Uh, And Greta is, we've talked about her before a couple of times with Ben Johnson from the Acton Institute when he's been on the program. 
She is described here as having inspired a global school strike movement calling for the immediate phase out of oil, coal and gas, which let's just be mindful here. If oil, coal and gas were all phased out, the U.N. would not be meeting. The people who traveled to the U.N. would not have been able to have traveled to the U.N. Um, And the meeting um, about what we're going to do to eliminate fossil fuel use um, would not be happening. She was deferred to. I'm now continuing my reading for the quote here from the news report. Deferred to, treated like an international celebrity by just about every person in a position of authority she encountered on the U.N. grounds. Ushered around like a celebrity. So the demonstrators in D.C. and the youth climate strike activists around the globe um, have these demands to immediately discontinue the use of all fossil fuels. They are committed to also not having babies as leverage. Um, Yes, you heard me right. It's called a birth strike, and it's now a thing. Um, so just think about the rationale there for just a moment. Um, this is only going to be a one generation, uh, uh, challenge if, um, these people are literally planning on not reproducing. Um, I'm reminded here of the situation that the people of God faced when they were in exile in Babylon. Um, I'm reminded here that as these people look around, they literally see the sky falling. And um, and I'm reminded of God's instruction to his people through the prophet Jeremiah in the 29th chapter of Jeremiah. Now, we're very, very familiar with a couple of those verses, but we're not particularly well familiar with the entire chapter. So I want you to read Jeremiah 29, 1 to 23 today. Jeremiah 29, 1 to 23. I want you to be assured that God is present and active among us for our good, that he has not only a future plan for us, but it's a future of hope. Read the book, trust the Lord. Yes, prepare for difficulty, live in peace, uh, and live in joy. And yes, have babies. All right, next up, I'm going to talk with Tommy Binion from The Daily Signal of the Heritage Foundation. We'll be right back. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Well, it's a long, long journey to the capital city. It's a Joining long, me now, Tommy Binion from The Daily Signal. You can find them uh, at heritage.org. The Daily Signal is what I would describe as the multimedia outlet of the Heritage Foundation. And you can check out what they're doing at dailysignal.com. Tommy, welcome back. Good morning. It's it's great to be back with you. Hearing that song this morning uh, set my head a bobbin, and and I'm I'm grateful to be on your show. You're you're such a you're such a junkie of the of the process. I love it. <laughs> I love it's it. It's good. It's good. No, yeah. it's good. The process works, and we have to work the process. And so we thank you for um, the way that you help us understand what's happening. Uh, not only in Washington, D.C., but kind of in every venue of uh, the federal government and our interaction with it. So um, let's lead off with the president of the United States yesterday at the United Nations, uh, giving really a a pretty unusual address, addressing the issue of religious liberty around the globe. Um, I'm just going to ask you for your, you know, your impressions of it and um, uh, see where we go from there. Yeah, well, I, I thought this was um, a fine example of global leadership from President Trump. I thought this was um, just a, a statement about priorities and the priority of American leadership and what should be 
the priority of the world. If you can't go to the UN and say, as an American president, this issue is one of our priorities, then the UN isn't worth much. But I think the president got the most out of the General Assembly by deciding to put that issue front and center. You know, I, I think if he hadn't done that, the entire conversation would be revolving around this climate hysteria. Uh, but instead, he has injected something that he wants to talk about into the narrative. And I think the ultimate outcome of that will be incredibly good to focus world leaders to, to almost be confrontational in insisting that world leaders focus on this issue of religious freedom and rooting out religious persecution wherever it exists, I think is a, a tremendous example of the good that an American president can do by leading in this way. I also appreciate how when, um, you know, when those who are seeking to engage with him and trying to sort of drag him back to talk about the issue du jour, um, you know, and then so they want to lift up like this teenager, the Swedish teenager. He's like, oh, you know, she seems like a very nice girl. Like, right. He's he's not even <laughs> he does not entertain necessarily the conversation that other people want to provoke. I like your language of insistently confrontational. Um, I do think that it is it is a, a unique gift of this president where he does reframe the conversation. He he takes the conversation where he wants to go. Um, and it is a demonstration of leadership to to platform the issue that is of most urgent concern to him, obviously, globally. Um, that's that's the way that he views the world. He views uh, this as the global issue um, into which he wants to press uh, his presidency. And that's really significant. And as Christians, we need to pay attention to that and we need to applaud that. We need to say this is an issue of grave concern. This is an issue globally. This is an issue that um, affects minorities defined differently than the way people traditionally like to define minorities. We are talking here about people who are of minority religious faith in nations that are of a different majority faith. And so uh, he's reframed the conversation about climate like this is the the climate conversation he wants to have is a climate of hate globally that rejects people uh, whose faith is different than that of the dominant religion of a group or of a nation. Um, and he wants to change the conversation uh, about what it means to be a minority. And he wants to direct attention to religious minorities around the world. It's an interesting reframing of conversations and seeking to uh, get people to think about words differently. I, I think that's absolutely right. One, yes, this president controls the message. He controls the narrative. He is not subject to it, um, but he he defines it. And I think that that is, you know, that is a characteristic we should look for in all of our leaders, especially in our presidents, because um, I, I would much rather the the uh, the president who was elected by the people of the United States of America decide what news is driving the day rather than I, I think the clearly biased press. But I also want to say about about his focus on religious liberty. This is not a show. You know, uh, the U.N. is a bit of a show, but but for him, it, it's not a well, this week I'll talk about religious liberty and then I'll move on. He bought he brought Pastor Andrew Brunson, who was imprisoned in Turkey for his religious views and who President Trump negotiated to get out of that prison to this event in New York. Um, and, and he's done that time and time again. This is a real crisis. There are religious minorities being prosecuted or persecuted today, locked up today. 
um, that this administration is working uh, to free. And I think that that's uh, that that it's more than just talk. But the level of talk that went on this week is really important. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, you guys have some really interesting stories posted at DailySignal.com. I want to touch on a couple of those. Um, And I want to talk about how, you know, how our views, the views of, let's say, conservatives in general, Christians specifically, are often stifled in the public square um, and in places like, well, coffee shops. So I want to talk about this woman who was cursed out of a coffee shop for her views and how we might be able to do better. I'm talking with Tommy Binion from The Daily Signal. We'll be right back. Returning to my conversation with Tommy Binion from The Daily Signal, uh, it is the, what I will call, communications outreach of the Heritage Foundation. You can find them at heritage.org and dailysignal.com. Tommy, you've got um, you got a story posted at, at Daily Signal, which is... Um, the personal uh, sort of personal side of what was a very public um, news story back in early September, Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I guess maybe maybe only like 10 days ago, uh, you know, we're reading from major news outlets across the country that um, a transgender individual was fired from her job at a Nebraska coffee shop uh, after telling a conservative activist that that individual was no longer welcome um, in the store. This is an interesting and fascinating um, conversation for us to be having because it brings out into our everyday conversations and spaces um, these these very difficult debates that we're having um, at the level of, of public policy. So give us your view of what's happening here. And then specifically, you know, we're, we're talking to Christians, so invite people to be praying for uh, the folks at the center of this conversation. Absolutely. Well, and, and this is personal for me, and, and Carmen, it may be personal for you as well. You know, I work for a very visible conservative organization, and and, and that is the reason that this woman in Nebraska, her name is Marilyn Sinek, was, was cursed out and, and told that um, uh, she wouldn't be served at her local coffee shop anymore because of her political views. Um, you know, we don't want to have to whisper about our political views and 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 what we do as a job and the fact that we work in the conservative movement but there is a growing hostility towards um, conservative worldview a Christian worldview a, a worldview that um, speaks to um, absolute truths or um, a worldview that that allows uh, religious viewpoint to direct our life um, there is a hostility, and 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 you know there there is a reason um, that we call for civility in our political discourse. It, it's not just because um, this type of thing is unpleasant, but it's because civil discourse is the type of thing you do with your fellow citizens when you have a disagreement. You civilly discuss the matter. That's what you do with somebody who you have a common interest, who you have common values, where you are going the same way. But when you are hostile to somebody instead of civil, it means that you don't have a common value, that you don't have a common goal. But in the uh, – I would like us all as Americans to acknowledge what is 
our, what are our common values and what is our common goal, and then we'll be civil with one another. And, and I think the reason we get so upset about stories like this is because it is a sign that we have lost what is common between us. It is a sign that, that our common values are slipping through our fingers and we can no longer identify uh, the things that we are striving for together. And, and that's a really sad commentary. And so I do invite our listeners uh, to pray for our country, to pray that we would see ourselves in each other and that we would see the image of God and that we would in, interact uh, on that basis rather than on the basis that there is some political issue we disagree on. I couldn't agree more, and I want to encourage people to read um, this particular article. I was cursed out of a coffee shop for my views, and we can all do better. Um, It's posted at DailySignal.com. There's another piece that you guys have posted, because I think that as soon as we say we need to do better, we can do better, people need to be equipped to do better. Um, I want to direct people's attention to Educating America's Youth One Cross-Country Trip at a Time, another uh, piece you have posted at DailySignal.com. Tell people about this effort to teach students to think and speak for themselves. Yeah, this is really great. This is a, this is actually a podcast between Rob Bluey and uh, Billy Planer, who is the founder and, and uh, operator of a nonprofit organization called Edgar 36. Edgar, by the way, is the Hebrew word for challenge, and uh, his organization runs 36-day trips for uh, students to crisscross the country uh, and stop in various cities, various sites of historical significance, and, and learn about the different viewpoints in our country. You know, this trip, it, it really focuses on different viewpoints. They, they, they come to the Heritage Foundation, but they also visit liberal organizations, and they, and they visit um, uh, historical sites from the civil rights movement, and they, and they, they sort of challenge their own perspective. And, you know, I remember that moment when I was in middle school or high school when I realized that the world is bigger than my world. And I think that that's what Edgar 36 does for these students is it it shows them that their world isn't the entire world. And that's been on our mind this week. You know, you you mentioned Greta, our 16-year-old climate activist, uh, and the other kids. Uh, that are making this this climate hysteria. And, and some of us have observed, hey, this is really scary, and, and, and this is really concerning that we're teaching our children um, that the world is going to end in five years because of some man-made phenomenon that we can stop. And, and imagine waking up as a 16-year-old believing that and, and, and the adults in your life letting you think that. Well, this is the opposite of that. This is giving children a perspective about the world that is true and genuine and, and that they can observe with their own eyes. Um, and and I, I think that that is a, a, a tremendous service to the students that go on these trips, a tremendous service to the culture that they're ultimately going to be part of. And I hope that, uh, that more and more children are exposed to this kind of opportunity. So if you haven't read it yet, um, I'm going to recommend to you um, Malcolm Gladwell's brand new book, Talking to Strangers. Um, because he basically takes the rest of us adults on this kind of tour of America um, and into the kinds of conversations that we need to be having with people that we don't know and aren't talking to. Um, and so just as an introduction to adults who are listening right now who maybe can't take um, uh, take this kind of trip with Edgar, which, by the way, is E-T-G-A-R. Those of you who are listening right now and thinking, I want to know about that, E-T-G-A-R dot O-R-G. 
Um, but not everybody can do that, but you can do it. You can, you miss maybe not be able to like physically get out there and do it, but you can, you can certainly be equipped in this way to talk to people, um, who are unlike you, who, with, you know, who, whose social location you don't inhabit. Um, but it is our responsibility to better understand one another that we can actually engage in conversations today that are civil and move forward together. Um, and you know, not be vulgar to one another and throw one another out of coffee shops. So that seems like a minimum, a minimum, uh, level of, uh, of civil discourse. Tommy, thank you so much as always for being with us. It's Tommy Binion. You can check it out at dailysignal.com. Thanks so much, my friend. Bye-bye. We'll be right back. We talked yesterday uh, about the ways in which uh, God is on the move around the globe. We talked about testimonies out of the Middle East of you know, Jesus appearing to people in the context of visions and dreams. Um, today, I'm going to talk with Brian Blount. He has spent the last 20 years equipping and training individuals and teams and churches in the healing uh, power of evangelism. It's a prophetic ministry. We're going to talk about putting Jesus on display with love and power That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. I saw a coffee mug once with the words, when the going gets tough, the tough go shopping. Hi, this is Callie Breeze with Thrivent, helping you be wise and thrive. You know, the term shopaholic is used almost as a joke. It's really easy to make light of it, but it is a serious issue for many people. It may even ring true for you. So what happens if you dig a little deeper? Do you notice any patterns to your retail therapy? Does it happen when you have a rough day at work? Or maybe when you get some bad news? If you find yourself looking for a way to feel better and you're turning to shopping, it may be time to stop and pay attention. And if you do find you need to pick me up after a tough day or bad news, consider some different options. Maybe get some exercise or spend some quiet time with God. Or turn on your local Christian radio station for some worship music. Whatever you do, I'm sure you'll find you make wiser financial decisions when you're turning away from retail therapy and letting God help you plan your finances. All right, we're returning to our um, uh, our conversation, and I just want to introduce Brian Blount to you. He is a pastor um, and an author, and so today we're going to talk about his newest book, Putting Jesus on Display with Love and Power. You can follow him uh, or join him on Facebook. He's at Brian Blount, B-L-O-U-N-T. Um, the book, Putting Jesus on Display with Love and Power. Brian, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen, for having me. I'm really excited oh, to be on the program with you. Yeah, it's a joy. Okay, so i i like the um, I like this question because I think that some of us uh, have been raised in and operate in environments where maybe the Holy Spirit is regarded as um, uh, the third wheel of the Trinity, um, <laughs> yeah. and and a, and certainly the shy member of the Trinity, the member of the Trinity, we um, do not often. Uh, publicly platform. And that's really what you're talking about. You're talking about living as Jesus people and putting the gospel on display in our lives by allowing the Holy Spirit to not only operate within us, but through us into the world. That's 
That's exactly right. I couldn't have said it any better. <laughs> That's exactly right. Living our way, our life in such a way where the the gospel, the power, the uh, the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit is available. It's shining bright. That we're not living our life, you know, under a you know a bushel or under a basket. We're not hiding in the four walls. We're we're living our lives in such a way that people notice that we are people of Jesus. That we're followers of Christ. I think that the biggest stumbling block to that. Uh, or the greatest fear barrier is the is the fear of somehow standing out and being different. And yet in the culture today, we absolutely, as Christians, must stand out. We must be different um, because the culture itself is certainly not reflective of the gospel. So talk about uh, talk about getting over or how maybe you got over the fear of being perceived by other people as different in an extraordinary way. Well, you know, I have to tell you honestly, Carmen, I still, after 20 years of, of doing this, I still feel fear. Uh, I still have all of the uh, anxiety, the thoughts, you know, uh, people are going to reject me, this or that. I mean, I think that's normal, and I think that's also the spiritual battle that we face. So I think that that is, uh, you know, that I, I don't know if you ever completely get over that, but I think what the thing is that you have to learn to um, completely overcome it. So you may face it, you may feel it, you may uh, be experiencing it, but what's greater, it, Christ in us is greater than the fear that is facing us. And so, uh, you know, he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. And, you know, the Holy Spirit came upon us to to give us boldness to be witnesses. And so I think a lot of the time is we're we're putting so much of our attention and focus in on that fear instead upon the love of God instead of on the power of God. And so we notice, okay, I feel the fear. But Holy Spirit, you're bigger than the fear, and so I'm just going to give my attention and focus to you. Would you come and empower me like you said you would and give me boldness to live this faith out loud? So, Brian, um, I'll, I'll make this observation about um, about myself. Um, the Behind the fear is that I doubt God. I wouldn't, I wouldn't fear. I would have no fear if I didn't doubt God. Um, God, God is who he is and he has made some very clear promises. Um, and he has demonstrated the, the veracity of those promises in the life of the church. And yet I fear that maybe he doesn't work that way anymore, or maybe he's not going to make good on those promises. Bear testimony, bear witness to some of the places and ways where you have seen God make good on his promise to show up and do miraculous things by the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through the life of a believer. Well, let me just start with, with this. My first kind of experience, I had been seeing the Holy Spirit move in power um, like inside the church, getting words of knowledge, getting where the Lord was speaking to me about you know things that were going on in people's lives, getting seeing healing, all this kind of stuff. And I thought, God— this is incredible here, but I want to see it outside on the in the four walls, outside the four walls of the church. I want to see this in everyday life. So I remember uh, driving from Oklahoma City to Chicago to a meeting uh, where a, a gentleman named Blaine Cook was going to be. And, he, you know, his whole life had been he, this business guy who'd been out praying for the sick, seeing people healed on his lunch break, you know, leading tons of people to Jesus. And I thought, I just want to be in the same room. You know, I just want to see my life, you know, be like that. And so I was praying, God, would you put on me what you put on Blaine Cook? God, would you encounter my life? And so I remember being in this meeting and 
it was it was an incredible meeting because he uh, all of a sudden uh, as I walk into the room um, and the worship is powerful it's incredible and then I see him and he, and he looks straight at me he said you young man stand up God's power is on you for power evangelism and I'll tell you Carmen God touched me miraculously in that meeting and the power of God touched me so deep and I was like God I just want to see this happen outside the four walls of the church so guess what he gave me that opportunity. We went to Popeye's Chicken for lunch. And I remember walking into Popeye's Chicken, and I see this lady standing in line. Now, I was accustomed to hearing God's voice inside you know, the four walls of the church, but never outside. As soon as I walked into Popeye's Chicken, I see this lady, and she's standing in line. All of a sudden, my left arm began to hurt. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, there's something wrong with this woman's left arm. If you go pray for her, I'll heal her right on the spot. And guess what I said? No way. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to do this. This isn't you. This is probably not God. I'm doubting now the Lord's speaking to me. I mean, I drove 12 hours asking for an encounter, get called out with a prophetic word. The power of God touches me, and I'm asking for an opportunity, and I'm standing right there in Popeye's chicken, actually acting like the biggest chicken that day in Popeye's chicken. And a friend of mine notices me that I'm just stand, standing there staring at this lady, and he goes, what's going on? And this is what I said before. It was like this real strong, like, if you go over there and talk with her, I will heal her. My friend says, what, what do you think's happened? I said, I don't know. I think maybe I'm probably not sure. I'm probably this isn't going to happen. But God said, but he probably didn't say this, that if I go over there and talk to this lady, he'll heal her. He goes, Brian, you prayed 12 hours. I was on the call with you. <laughs> this guy, Blaine Cook, calls you out. The power of God touches you. I know this is your heart. That's the Lord. Go talk to her. I said, no way. I said, what if nothing happens? And he goes, but right. what if it does? And so here's what happens. I stand there completely as a chicken, and my buddy goes, hey, Brian, how about this? How about I walk over there and just at least ask her to see if she has a pain with her arm? At least she'll know. I said, all right, but you can't tell her it came from me. <laughs> I mean, I, I was so like, you know, I didn't want anything to do with it. He goes over to her, and this is what he says. He goes, ma'am. You have a problem with your left arm. If you let me pray for you right now, Jesus will heal you on the spot. Now, here's the most amazing thing. This guy, my friend, he didn't get a prophetic word. He wasn't praying. God didn't speak to him, but he just simply believed, became uh, bold, and went over there and asked her. And she said, well, how, do you, how did you know that? And he goes, see that guy over there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And that day I learned a valuable lesson that God and good friends never let you get away with anything. Well, he prays for her right there on the spot and she gets completely healed. And I sat there and went, God, that I could have listened to you. And I learned another valuable lesson that day that, that the kingdom of God is at hand, even when you're a chicken. And, and that's the truth. Sometimes I still have some Feathers that I need to pluck, but thank God he has developed me along the way. And I, I'm so grateful now that that was part of my story starting out, that I was a chicken. And I saw somebody else that didn't have any encounter with the Lord, just simply believed. And the Lord used that person to bring healing. And so from that point on, I've always just tried to step out and press through. Okay, so you um, you have lifted up a phrase that I want to return to right after the break, and that phrase is power evangelism. I want you to address that when we come back. And then 
Let me just go ahead and say I can already feel the spirit of unbelief rising up in opposition um, against what we're talking about today. So I want to address that uh, that that spirit as well when we come back. So power evangelism and the spirit of unbelief uh, is, are going to be our to- conversation topics when we return. Brian Blount is my guest. He's the author of Putting Jesus on Display with Power and Love. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Pastor Brian Blount, you can follow him on Facebook. The book is Putting Jesus on Display with Love and Power. Um, Brian, I'll, I'll just tell you that uh, my producer, nor I, could resist uh, bringing up the issue of Popeye's chicken sandwich and whether or not you have an opinion of whether or not the Popeye's chicken sandwich was, while, while available, superior to the Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. Oh, gosh, man, you don't want to get me in trouble, right? <laughs> no. So, okay, so Popeye's is now telling people to bring their own bun if they want a chicken sandwich at Popeye's, and I think that that's hilarious. Okay, that is so, hilarious. hilarious. I know. Relevant to nothing we're talking about. Okay, so in in our conversation, you use the phrase, and you use it in the book, um, power evangelism. What is that? Yeah, so how I kind of define power evangelism is this. It's, it's the empowering work of the Holy Spirit that comes upon the believer and it's released through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, such as healing, prophecy, the casting out of demons, uh, even the, the raising of the dead. Um, it's, it, so it empower, empowers the believer to put Jesus on display. And so it's, it's the, the working of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit that comes upon the believer to be bold in the kingdom. All right. And I'm... I, like you, because you address this in the book as well, um, I, like you, can already feel a spirit of unbelief that rises up in opposition as soon as we say things like miracles or raising the dead or words of prophecy. Like, we have this oppositional spirit in our culture um, that says those things don't happen anymore. Yeah, right. And and I would say, hey, (laughs) a spirit of unbelief, it comes up all the time, right? And here's the thing is – we have to just learn – and this is the thing. Where there is something that is counterfeit, there is also something true. And I think that we see things in sometimes in our society or on television or we you know, see a lot of hype and we see these – I'm not talking about those kind of things. I'm talking about living in the real world, going through uh, a drive through at McDonald's, going to the grocery store. I'm talking about just you know, being on the telephone and you're talking to somebody you know, and, and the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you. And so – you know, this is the thing. The, the word of God is real. It's alive. And, um, you know, we just need to learn to, to trust what, what the Holy Spirit's doing. And, um, you know, if the Holy Spirit is has been given to the believer for the purpose of us living out a life of righteousness and living out the gospel, not only in proclamation, but in demonstration as well. And we've got, you know, we have a number of headlines and we have a number of currents in the culture that actually, you know, support that people are experiencing real evil. They are experiencing possession. We have a rise in exorcisms. We have a, a an incredible increase in requests made to particularly the Catholic Church for exorcisms. People would not be asking for these things if they weren't dealing with not only the darkness of this generation, but the reality of evil. And so... I think that, in fact, there's a there's going to be a TV show that starts Thursday night. It's called Evil, and it is 
you know, it's it's uh, they describe it as a psychological thriller. But as a person of faith, you're going to watch it and you're going to say to yourself, that's about miracles. And the fact that our culture can't it doesn't have language to talk about evil, nor do we have language to talk about how people are liberated from it. Um, And and so I think that what you're giving us in uh, in in the book and let me just remind people, the title of the book is putting Jesus on display with love and power. But it could have been entitled something like um, how to deal with the evil that exists in the world today. Well, it could have been (laughs) right. I mean, you know, that's the thing. I think we are we're to be light into darkness. Right. You know, when Jesus comes on the scene, uh, you know, all of a sudden we start to see the demonic realm right, begin to just scream out. And throughout the Old Testament, we don't see as much of the demonic activity in form of, you know, these, these spirits crying out, screaming out, And except when Jesus comes on the scene. When light comes in, that darkness doesn't know what to do with it. And I think that's when, as believers, when we are shining out Jesus, what stirs up is darkness. But for darkness to get to come out and be dispelled because the the light does overcome the darkness. And I'll tell you what, you know, we might have all these debates, but when you're, you know, uh, struggling with somebody that is, that's in a lot of uh, turmoil, they just want to get free. They don't care what it is. It's like, can, can I be free? And, and that's what the gospel brings. It brings freedom. It brings healing. It brings deliverance. And I mean, that's what the gospel does. That's what believers are called to do. And and we're to do this just, I mean, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. The other day, in fact, I was, uh, you know, this is a pretty uh, relevant thing. You know, uh, the iPhone 11 just came out, you know, and I'm a big uh, Mac guy. And so I, I after, you know, seeing the big, you know, debut about the uh, iPhone and the, all the stuff coming out, I was like, gosh, I got to find out if I can get one, you know, and see if my phone was upgraded. So I called and sure enough, I could get an uh, upgrade. And so I'm talking to the lady at the Apple Care. As I'm talking to her, all of a sudden in my heart, I just kind of have these sensations where I are these little pictures that just kind of run through my mind really quick. And um, I saw four uh, things that I thought were wrong with her body. And so this is what I said to her. I said, hey, before we get off the phone, do you mind if I share something with you? And she said, sure. I said, well, sometimes I get these pictures and impressions. And I said, it's kind of like a gift. I said, do you mind if I just share them with you. And she's like, okay, well, you know, this has never really happened. It's going to be before on a, you know, a phone call. And I said, well, um, I said, you have this problem like with, you know, at the bottom of your feet where you've been having like an intense pain. And she goes, yeah, that's really weird that you say that. Like, I'm gonna have to have surgery on the bottom of my feet. And I said, uh, or, or these special shoes I've been having for over a year. I said, you have a problem on your lower back on the left side, and then I told her two other things that I can't recall right off the top of my head. And she said, how in the world are you getting this information? That is, This is like kind of freaking me out. I said, well, before I tell you that, I said, would you tell me on a scale from zero to 10 what your pain level is? And she said, like a seven or an eight. I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to speak to the condition and the, and the pain is going to leave. And she goes, okay, <laughs> like how is that going to happen? And so I did. I just said, pain, I command you to go right now. I break any affliction. At all pain leave. And this is what happened, Carmen. She began to feel heat come all the way through her body and the pain left. And she is utterly shocked. She goes, what in the world did you just do? How did you do that? And I said, you know that gift I was telling you that I had? And she goes, yeah. I said, that gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a Christian. 
I said, Jesus loves you so much that he would actually speak to me while I'm doing something spiritual, <laughs> like buying an iPhone 11. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, you know, you're doing your job. And uh, but, you know, God, he speaks in these moments of the mundane and that, you know, what we want to do, Carmen, is we want to we want to separate sacred, secular, all this kind of stuff. What I'm saying is that Jesus is present. The Holy Spirit is present with every believer, every moment and every moment is sacred. And so she's just like undone. I said, Carmen, I was telling the the, uh, the lady on the phone, I said, this is what Christians do, mm-hmm. that they sick. And I said, that's Jesus. And he loves you so much. And if he can take the pain out of your body, guess what he wants to do <clears throat> is he wants to come and he wants to live on the inside of you. And he wants to take the sin. He wants to take the pain. He wants to take the, all that stuff. And he wants to make you new on the inside. And I said this, I said, if Jesus was standing at the door of your heart and he was knocking, would you ignore that or answer that? And she said, oh, I wouldn't ignore it. I'd answer it. And Carmen, she gave her life to Jesus right there. Oh, amen. Amen. And that's power evangelism. That's actually what the book is about, putting Jesus on display with love and power. Brian Blount is the author. The book is filled with stories just like that, equipping and empowering you and I as Christians to actually put Jesus on display by the power of his own spirit. Brian, thanks for joining us today. Friends, we got to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Okay, so uh, I know that you are dealing with some pain in your life, um, and we do have we do have a Savior who uh, invites us to trust Him. And so, you know, let me encourage you: if you're experiencing um, physical pain and and you haven't yet shared that with another believer for um, for prayer, do that. Um, and also, don't be afraid to engage with others in public spaces and places where the Spirit within you uh, wants to be. Uh, put on display. All right, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.